DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to talk BYU basketball with assistant coach Chris Burgess. Chris, good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. I, see, I hear it in your voice. How are you guys doing? Can you get through one of these without PK torturing you in some fun way? If that's not an oxymoron, I've never heard one. But <laughs> No, I'm excited. Let's do this. Okay. Hey, uh, I was on his thing where they did that uh, on the coaches' yeah, show, yeah. man. Did, were you stunned? You when killed you, it. You saw my ugly face there? <laughs> I thought you did. No, it was really. First of all, those those deep blues that you know BYU TVD are really cool. They really uh, are. You know, I've seen yeah, I've seen a couple of our players, and um, it's just they're fun. They're fun, and I, I thought I thought the one that was, you know, the one that I was on was really well done. And PK, I thought you did a great job kind of explaining the whole thing. I thought it was really cool. I thought it was yeah, really well done. I was, and that's the first time I watched it, and I was very impressed. They called me up, came out to my house, set up for yeah. like forty five minutes. And yeah, yeah. I, I was very impressed with the professionalism. And then when I watched it, I thought, "Wow, this stuff is really cool." Yeah, I, I feel the same way. That they did a good job. That you did a good job. That Randy was really cool, and so it just was it was well put together. So I got a lot of questions about the BYU basketball program, but I think the first yeah. one, and I think it's one that a lot of people have, uh, and you transferred as a player, so you know what it's like to be in one program, go to another place, and everybody's got a different yeah. way of doing things, and the lingo's different, and there's all these people with personal relationships in place, and you got to try to fit in. And yet it seems yeah. like, now if we fast forward to this team, you know, Tulson, Jake Tulson was really important for you at UVU. And he fit in, and he led, and now he comes in, he's got one year to do that at BYU, and it seems like he's doing it seamlessly. How does, how, how, I think he's really important, how important do you see him, (laughs) and how has he done it so seamlessly in this first year? Um, First of all, he was WAC Player of the Year at Utah Valley for us, and he's been doing this for a couple years now, and so he fits in with, with the way Coach Hope is in terms of how he coaches, his mindset, um, the saltiness in the gym, both that he brings in terms of leadership and a chip on his shoulder. And, and from day one, um, even if he didn't play a game for us here at BYU, he was going to help this team strictly with his voice in the locker room because um, he's a leader. Um, he's got some swagger to him, that some confidence that he brings that um, it rubs off on the players and, 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 and it carries into the game. Um, obviously, he's a shot maker. I think when his feet are set, I think he's one of the best shooters in college basketball, and his numbers prove that. Uh, when he's coming off screens or he's off the bounce, catch and shoot, like it's amazing how well he can shoot the ball. But he works really, really, really hard. He's a gym rat. You know, it runs in his family, that Toulson and the Angels and things like that. He's just he's a gym rat. Um, and the guys, you know, you know, he knew some of these guys before he got here because you know, he played with, I think, Dalton Nixon, and and, and, and I think he knew TJ for. But at the same time, you know, Utah Valley is three and a half miles away, and he plays pickup or probably works out with the same, um, you know, runs in the same crew kind of during the summertime or the off season. So he known the guys. So the transition was really it was pretty seamless, just because he knew Pope, he knew the guys. He, you know, his dream school has always been BYU, and he wanted to show everybody that what he's been doing at Utah Valley the last few years. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly done that. He's obviously been a great addition, and it certainly has helped that he was with you guys over there, and so it was somewhat of a seamless transition. I wanted to talk yeah. about Mark Pope because he is bringing, he's bringing a lot of energy. Now, he's got seven seniors, so there's some talent yeah. there, but you've been with Mark as he built 
Utah Valley, and then he's taken BYU up to another level. And if I were to ask you, which I'm going to, how would you describe yeah. or why would you say Mark Pope is a good coach? What were some of the reasons you would give us? And there's a lot of them, but the first thing I say is, thing is he cares about his players. Um, he wants them to be successful. Um, he cares about. I mean, he's constantly thinking about each player, how we can grow their game, how they're going to fit into our offense, how they're going to fit into our defense, how we're going to make them successful. We're not going to fail them. So it's not like he's just thinking about the top guys, or let's just say Yoli, Jake, or TJ. He's thinking about one through seventeen, and he's and he's a coach that gives you confidence. I always explain to guys, whether they're recruits or whether they're current players, like his mindset when he's coaching these kids in terms of instilling confidence is <clears throat> like. If you don't shoot that shot that's open, you're coming out. As opposed to coaches, you know, we've been around in the past that, like, if you miss that shot, you're coming out, right? <laughs> so these guys shoot the ball knowing that it, it's the right shot. It's within the offense. It's a good shot. It's an open shot. I, I, I'm going to shoot with confidence, and I can go 0 for 10, but as long as I, uh, you know, I own it, I shoot it, and it's the right shot, it, 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 I'm allowed to do that. So these guys don't feel paralyzed out there. Um, he brings an energy Every single day in practice, one thing he always talks about as we meet as a staff is like, let's, you know, let's bring some joy to this gym today. Um, and, and sometimes it, it, it's easy when you're winning and things are going well. But, you know, let's just say in February you're coming off a loss. It's, it's, it's a huge, it's a long grind. And he's still talking about bringing joy to this gym. So the guys, so our job is, as a staff is, is to bring some joy, some energy and some juice to this gym. So that these guys can feel it and they can feed off us as a staff. And so, um, and then he, and he cares about this program. He understands what like BYU program means to the, to the state, to the fans, the alumni. And so he cares about it. He's you know he's in the office constantly working, reaching out to alumni, reaching out to uh, the boosters, trying to make them feel like this is like you guys are part of this, right? So I think he's just kind of the full package um, when it comes to a head coach running a program. So we, and, and like you said, it helps. We got seven players. We got some really good talent: Yoli, Jake, TJ, Tall, Zach. Like we understand that too. So when you guys were at UVU, uh, UVU's mm-hmm. place in the basketball pecking order, you had to bring in. You weren't going to get a lot of superstar freshmen, so you had to bring in yeah. a lot of transfers and meld them with the freshmen you did get. Now BYU doesn't have a history of getting a lot of transfers, but college basketball is changing. And you certainly brought in transfers year one. Obviously, Toulson, uh, Barcelo coming yeah. in. Do you think that's going to be a trend going forward? Are we going to see a transfer or two every year, or maybe more than that? Um, I think it is. I do. I think like you, you talked about it. It's it's a trend. Um, college basketball. I think there's anywhere from seven to nine hundred college basketball transfers a year. The portal. Um, is a big deal in terms of you know there's there's no blocking or kids can go wherever they want um, if they transfer there's uh, there's opportunities to kind of get a waiver like Alex Barcelo to play right away like listen we're going to chase the best freshmen that we th- think are going to fit our program that are going to help us win you know we got a team like Gonzaga that's getting one and dones now right and we understand that um, for us to win we got to get the best players and so if that's a freshman if that's a junior college kid if that's a transfer like Barcelo or Jake. Like we're going to chase those guys, you know, and and we and, and that's what we're going to do. I think that it worked for us at UVU. We still chase some high school kids. We just never landed the ones um, that we felt could come in right away and help us. Right there, you know, we just we didn't. So we always, 
you know, hadn't signed anybody early. And when April came around, the best ones that are available were either D1 transfers or, or JUCO kids. And that's, that's kind of the, the model and the formula that we, that we went with. And I think, you know, we feel pretty good about the kids we signed, the two kids we signed in November of 2019. That that'll, one will be here this year, one's going on this mission. And we're also going to be on, on the NCAA portal and we're going to be chasing, we're chasing some seniors right now. We're going to, we're looking at some JUCO kids. We're just trying to get the best kids because Gonzaga is really good. They're really stinking good, and, and that's and that's what we feel we've got to compete with to to win a WCC, whether regular season or tourney championship. So, so I don't I don't see I, I think the only thing I can say is we're going to chase the best players that that can fit in here, that want to be here, that are going to help us win. Helping you win is obviously what you did there with Baxter coming back, and he could have sat out, got yeah. the whole year back, but now he's back. And I'm guessing that he's not coming back just to play a few spot minutes or garbage time. Yeah. What do you foresee yeah. for him going forward? Um, he's going to help us. He adds depth. He adds a different dimension. Um, I think it's pretty well known that, you know, in terms of, like, we're a big analytical numbers team. Where we really struggle is um, rim protection and offensive rebounding. I think he's going to bring that element. It's going to take some pressure off Yoli. Um, who's getting two guys to box him out um, on, on, on the offensive glass. So he's going to bring that. He's just got to, like, I don't want to say he's like a return missionary type protocol, but he's just got to get himself, you know, back in shape and flow with the offense and flow with the defense, um, you know, his body moving, cutting and things like that. Like, I've been able to kind of do individual workouts with him uh, over the last couple months, uh, but no contact. He got cleared about a couple, not a week and a half ago to do some contact. So he's just still in this you know, early stages of getting his confidence back in himself. Like the other night, you know, there was a shot that was taken. You know, the old Gavin or the Gavin before his injury would have, you know, sent that to the third row, right? And he was just a step later, a half second, half second late, six inches low from blocking it. And then, you know, there's a couple shots in the offense where he, he didn't even look at the rim, right? So he's just got to get more comfortable. And it's going to take that first basket, that first block or that first man's rebound where he's going to start believing. And then when he does, right, he's going to work himself back into this lineup because, again, he adds depth. He allows us to, uh, to, you know, especially come WCC tournament, where we're either going to play two or three games in three days. Um, and so he's going to add another dimension, and we're excited about him. He's all in. He wants to play. So the retro year is done, and, and we expect him to be a part of this um, this run we're trying to make. I think without question, this is best BYU defensive team we've seen in several years, probably at least five, maybe longer than that. Yeah. Uh, maybe you haven't been as good the last couple of weeks as you were in December and most of January, but still, on the whole, this is pretty good. How have you gotten so many guys to buy in and elevated the defensive level of this team? Yeah, um, well, the day, first day we got here, I remember when I got the job here, Cody Feger and I were sitting with Coach, and and we were looking at last year's team and some of the numbers behind guarding spot-ups, guarding the three-point line, and, and certain things were like, we got work to do. Like they were, you know, bottom half or bottom 15% and guarding the spot-ups or guarding ball screens or guarding the roll man. And so we kind of looked at all the numbers in the film. And there. so that was the first thing we talked about. And that was the first thing Coach said, we got to get these guys. So we were very fortunate to have that European trip. And we started working with them every single day. And we just kind of started holding them accountable. And... Um, 
and but we worked on footwork every single day with our strength coach and everything he was doing in the weight room or on the agility was, was translated to, to the court and I think that really helped and then it, and then it took you know like we got energy guys like Zach Sellis and Dalton and they're taking charges and they're doing things that, that, that make you want to guard and you know the, like you said the last few games there's you know we, we there's some been some 80 point games and if you look at like uh, you know the Ken Palm analytics like we're like this off offense conference, you know, Gonzaga's ranked number one in adjusted offense. We're ranked fifth. St. Mary's ranked 12th. Um, San Francisco's ranked in the top 100. And then Pepperdine's right there. So we played some really offensive-minded teams, but we also know, like, if we want to go or we want what we want to do, we know we can score. We know we can shoot with anybody. We know we can score 80 points, 85 points. But there's just going to be a game, and it's probably going to be on the road or in the West Coast Conference Tournament. We're, we're going to have to rely on our defense, and we're going to have to get some stops. So we're, we're, we're keenly aware of and focused in on our defense these last couple of weeks. And even though, you know, we gave up 76 points um, San Francisco, we felt like we really guarded in the first half. We just got to put – we just got to put two hats together because Gonzaga's coming in a couple weeks, and that's an offensive juggernaut. And we know to beat them, we're going to have to guard. So, but the guys are buying in. They're being held accountable. we got good depth with guys don't want to guard or guys don't want to box out or guys don't want to keep their men in front. And we're just going to take them out. Or we're going to put dudes in there that, that want to do that because we got so many guys who can score. That's not our issue. Um, our issue is staying locked in on the defensive end, whether we're up 20 or we're up two or down 10. Has Mark Pope ever had a bad day? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah oh yeah. There's, there's 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 good days, there's bad days, but when yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. It always seems that. like he's just brimming with optimism and confidence, and the sun is shining even when he's it's energy. snowing. <laughs> he's got a lot of energy, man. He, he's got a lot of energy. He, he loves what he does, and he feels really, really fortunate to be around these kids um, and get to do what he, you know what he does for a living. So. Um, it, you know, it's infectious, and he tries, and, he, and I think he does that to try to, like I said, bring joy and juice to this gym. He's got to start with us as a staff and him as head coach. So does he, when things get really down, does he just rage in the office with the staff, and then he just locks in, in a little box, and when he pops out to the media or to the players, it's all sunshine again? Um, a little bit of everything, man. He's a genius. He's a, he's a mad scientist. He's a genius out there. So, you know, he knows... He knows there's the time to to dig in, to get after, it and to focus. And then he knows when it's time to to meet with the guys, or the energy he needs to bring to the guys, or the message he needs to bring to the guys. It's very very calculated in what he does. Um, that's why he's really good, and that's why these kids, uh, these, these men on our team, um, love playing for him and love being coached by him because uh, whether the message, like you talk about, is like energy or sunshine or whatever. Yeah, there's there's days where that that message. Is not is not all like that. Right? He knows how to get these guys to focus, get these guys to understand what it takes to be a champion. And when you're looking at your head coach and he's won a national championship at the high, you know, play at the highest highest level, um, there's some credibility that these players know. Um, man, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's been there. He's won. He knows how hard it is to be a championship team. And coach is trying to get these guys not to just think about making the NCAA tournament. Like that's not like coach's goal. Coach's goal is to win games in the NCAA tournament, right? And, and yeah. to be a team in the NCAA tournament. So he's trying to get our guys, our players, to wrap their minds around. Like, stop worrying about selection Sunday. Like we're tr- like we're, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to be in the second, the third week of, of, of the tournament. And so once these guys, and it's scary to say that, right? But once yeah. these guys start to believe what he believes, 
then you're doing your job as a coach. Right. So the way I look at it, he's either stupid enough or smart enough <laughs> to believe that this team can have success in the NCAA tournament. I'm not sure which one, yeah. but I know yeah. it's either or. And the bottom line yeah. is he believes it. He believes it. He believes it. He, he, he talked a lot in the last five years. I worked on him. That tell us what you know. Tell us what we can't do. Tell us what we can't do. And let us go do it. I think he brought it up in his press conference. And you know, from day you know, I remember he got the UBU job. They were like, "Man, you cannot play BYU. You can't go in there. Went, don't do that." You know what? Went in and did it. And we beat him right. And so he's all about tell us what we can't do. And so um, don't tell him that. Don't tell him we can't win games in the tournament because that's just going to fuel and fire him up even more. Well, we like it when the local teams win games and tournaments, so I'm just going to start telling. Heck yeah. Yeah, Pope, you got no clue, man. You're an idiot. (laughs) Hey, Rudy Gobert, you can't block a shot. Mark Pope, you can't win an NCAA game. (laughs) Give me a list. What else you got? I'll fire anybody up. Five stars. We get some five stars. That's what we need, some five-star recruits. Well, if... Correct me if I'm wrong. You talk about uh, Mark Pope winning at the highest level. I think there's somebody yeah. over there like you who won pretty high level too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I was very fortunate to play some great teams, um, won multiple championships in terms of conference. You know, whether it's Mount West, two ACCs. I think I had two Mount West, two ACCs, and went to a few NCAA tournaments and won some games. Went to a national championship game, lost like three. Uh, but I've also played. You know, I'm, I'm working alongside Coach Pope and also Nick Robinson. You know, was, we played at the highest level at Stanford. That was number one seed uh, back in the early 2000s too. So we, we got some we got some guys on this, this this staff that you know have been there and understand the sacrifices and how hard it is. Man, the thing is, the thing the thing is really hard about coaching is get these guys to understand how hard it is. Even with players like Elton Brand or Shane Batty next to you. It's still so stinking hard. I remember the eight nine game we played was still we played Oklahoma State with Gottlieb and um, oh man I can't remember the athlete who played for uh, the Raptors anyway. And I remember that game just being so hard. So winning is really hard. It's really hard, and it's our job to get these guys to to understand that and to believe and and, and to just put their lives aside just for a second. Just put their lives aside, and, and especially you seven seniors, because in about four or five six weeks it's over. It's over. When you talk about putting lives aside, you want guys to embrace these big moments in their life, but it's just really different, and especially at BYU, maybe at a few other local yeah. schools as well. But so many married yeah. guys, sometimes parents, obviously the T.J. Haas is out, the story is out yeah. there. You know, he and his wife became parents. And it's really hard to put that stuff aside. That, that's major stuff in it life. Is. Yeah, obviously, and academically too. I mean, BYU is a you know, high standard in terms of the amount of work it is there. But, yeah, we, we still, we, 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 like, I'm telling you, that's, that's the message we tell these guys. Like, hey, still be good husbands. You can still be good fathers. You still be good sons. Um, but just, there's no rationalizing it. You just need to focus. Like, you know, you, you need to be here early. You need to get the treatment on your body. You need to get home. You need to get rest. Stay off your feet. You don't need to be doing anything else. Like, get your studies done. Do your tutors, all this stuff. Get to class. Like it's six weeks, eight weeks, and it's over. And and and, and some of you're gonna have a chance to play after this, but some of you like the, you know there's you never know if you're gonna have another meaningful basketball game, you know. And I'm not counting board ball; it's not meaningful. But you know, and so it, it's hard because every single one of these seniors for their whole lives, a season ends and a new season begins. And there's gonna be a point where like that doesn't happen, and it's gonna be really weird, and you're not gonna understand it. So that's what we're saying. Hey, just these next six weeks, be good to do all this stuff. But like this team, this 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 team, and these games, and the scouts, and the personnel, and all these things we're we're, we're giving you guys need to be, you know, number one. 
you know, number one. And, and if you do that, like there, there's this this this, this, this magic that that happens. Um, and, and these memories, like even on my like my Duke teams and my Utah teams, you, you, I mean, you guys talk. I mean, Britt and John, like we're the closest of friends, and we talk about the championships we won. You know, twenty years later, you know, we feel like these old guys reminiscing. But it, it's true. You don't. You don't. You forget about all the crazy stuff that happened throughout the season. You, you remember the the championships and the net cutting. You remember these things, and so you don't remember like the aches and pains and the injuries. Or you know, obviously, we talk about Majerus's crazy things he would say, but. Um, you remember the championship, so that's what we're trying to get our guys to do. Just edit out your lives a little bit. Just edit them out. You can still be good people, but if you lock in, like there's something magical that can happen. If Britain was that good of friends with you, he wouldn't show up in red blur from <laughs> head to toe outside oh, man. the Marriott Center. Yeah, I was proud of Spencer, though. Spencer Nelson came in here and was very neutral. Uh, but Britain walked out in like some... Fleece, it was a fleece. I can't even. It was just. Oh, he, that was hilarious. I made it take it off though. I was like, "Dude, you're huge. All right, take that off." <laughs> he's, he's great. He like. Did you expect anything less though? Like, if people, I should post that picture on Twitter, but um, you wouldn't expect anything less. Chris, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Chris Burgess, BYU assistant basketball coach. The kids are all grown up. Chris, yeah, man. First talked to him when he was a sophomore in high school. And he talks about the the NCAA trips and all that, and you're thinking, man, the guys you're recruiting now weren't alive for any of that. And it's true. The whole staff, whether it's, you know, Stanford, Duke, Utah, Kentucky, you know, there's a lot of wins and there's a lot of cool tournaments and a lot of – and none of the recruits were alive for that. Time marches on. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, you're yeah, absolutely it does. There's no question about that. Uh, and I thought that was a great hire by Coach Pope because, you know, Chris came in was the number one recruit, and you can say it didn't pan out the way people had thought. Which actually, as a coach, is to your benefit because it's not like, well, guys, man, I had Easy Street. No, you didn't. You didn't have Easy Street at all. You had uh, the pub, and it didn't work. You transferred to Utah. You got a foot injury. At the time, you're leading the team in rebounding and scoring because I'm covering them for the mm-hmm. watchdog at the time. And you've had to go through a bunch of stuff, and you went through a bunch of stuff as a player. He shot air balls in New Mexico in the pit. Remember that? I don't know if you remember that. Free throw line. Uh, Hunsaker was uh, the interim coach. And the place is just riding him. You got yeah. 18,000 people just on his back because I'm, I'm sitting right there yeah. in the arena. And he came back from that. So I think that can help go in the recruiting. You look at a kid like T.J. Hawes, all sorts of publicity. Well, you can argue that it hasn't turned out. Well, now you got six weeks, buddy. And you could change all that narrative that's been there for X amount of years. Because if you get this team, well, if you get them to the tournament, that's an accomplishment. If you win a ball game, that's an accomplishment. If you win two... Then you really raise up, man. And you could end this thing on such a high note. And I would like nothing more for that to happen than TJ for TJ Hawes because you know he's had to put up with a bunch of crap. And I love the way he plays. I love his competitive spirit. So I would love to see that for the, for him. And Toulson has to leave and come back. Childs with the injury, suspension, on and on. So Burgess is right, man. They got six weeks to really put this thing into where, like he is with Britain, 20 years later, still talking about it. And that would be really cool. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? Our good friend, Kristen Kinney. By the way, I'm in the press room right now with Fuller, and he gives a shout-out to Alvin, the chipmunk. Yeah, Gordon is dressed in red today, like Alvin, the chipmunk. Uh, yeah. You should talk like him, though. I agree. Uh, call that nice buzzer beater in the Alvin voice. <laughs> call the buzzer beater in your normal voice, and by the end of the interview, I bet Austin could get that sounding like Alvin. You think so? Mike Donovich takes the pass from Ingles. He shoots a three-pointer. It's in the, it's in the, uh, I don't know. It's in the cup. <laughs> that needs to go all over Twitter. That's a highlight. Can you make Bowler's voice do that, too? <laughs> Turn this up. Catch the Big Show. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Donovan, guarded by Hardaway. They switched Finney Smith on him. Donovan drives, lost the basketball. Picked back up by Gobert. Hands back to Donovan. Donovan works the right side. Brzingis comes to him. Baseline fadeaway jumper. Good. Donovan Mitchell, you are marvelous. 123-116. That was the Jazz last points. All they needed. Put the Mavericks away. They win 123-119. I didn't say that on one of those nine turnovers. <laughs> he wasn't as marvelous then. You are marvelous. That's not marvelous. <laughs> Donovan, you're a little loose with the basketball. <laughs> no, actually, Locke will be, he'll say some stuff. He, he's, not, uh, he's not afraid. If it's obvious, he'll right. say it. Yeah, I've heard him say it plenty of times. If it gets times. really bad, then he'll say it's really bad. Yeah. And, and Mitchell, I believe he has a clutch gene. I think it's a gene, too. It's a gene? I think it is. You can't learn it? You either got it or you don't? I, I, See, if he had it's it... It's not genetic, but it's a gene. If he had it... I think he's got it. How come nobody saw it earlier? Because if you see it earlier, he gets taken earlier in the okay, draft. but he went 12 because he's 6'1". He didn't have the measurable. If he's 6'5", there's he just earlier. no doubt. Yeah, he goes earlier then. Yeah. So you weren't sure. It's like Kyler Murray. They went back and forth. Should we draft him? Should we not yeah, draft him? He's, he's six three. Right. Well, then there's no yeah, question right. you're going to draft him. Yeah. If he's if he's got Tom Brady and Philip Rivers yeah. size. Why did Russell Wilson go in the third round? Same thing. Measurables, baby. Yeah. And they do matter. Now Russell Wilson overcame it. Won a Super Bowl. Could have, would have, should have won a second. Well, he did. They took it away from him. But yeah. He won it. <laughs> Just hand it uh, off. Hand it off to that big fast yeah. guy standing behind you. Uh, so <laughs> that's the reason why. Into the end zone. But I mean, he still went twelfth. It's not like he was. Right. No, that's true. And Stockton, well, you played against Zaga. Malone, you played at Louisiana Tech. Those aren't big schools. Not sure of the level of competition and how good you really are. And that's why you get these Duke guys that seem to be Jaleel Okafor. Uh, Nerland's Noel from, what do you go, to Kentucky? And these guys really didn't do anything. Because they get the Benny. And you don't get the Benny. That's why, that's why it's so cool that... Yeah. You look at the Warriors and where they drafted those guys. When you Steph Curry, small, right? Davison. Well, and when even, you get there, even, it doesn't matter. Even Washington State, no real basketball tradition there. A few teams are okay. Not bad, but then, few I mean, teams they, are okay. Right, right. But when you're you're throwing the guys who are getting the benefit of the doubt are at Kentucky and Louisville and Duke and Carolina. Right. I mean, they didn't think Clay Thompson was going to be Craig Elo. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but he, again, he went eleventh. It's right. not like it's, you know. Sure. It's not Joe Ingles here. But there's 10 teams in front thinking, hmm, could have had Clay Thompson. <laughs> and there's 11 teams in front of Donovan Mitchell. And mm-hmm. we can redraft Donovan's draft. Where would he go? 
No, I'd have to, I don't remember who else was in the I don't, draft, I don't need but, it. We uh, can look at it. But go see much higher. But yeah. that's the great thing is that once you get – it's like the star system in, in college too, okay? They may get the benefit of the doubt and they'll – like uh, Jay Keeps – I mean, it, it, he pushed it to the limit before they make the change. Yeah, but, but eventually, he got the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, for all that time, and then eventually you'll be either exposed or you or you'll prove yourself, and that's the great thing about it because at the college level and even in the below that, it's all about winning. And coaches, they don't care who you are, as long as you're a halfway decent person, you can't be a complete and total knucklehead. I don't care what you look like, what your race is, what your religion is. None of that stuff matters. They just I want to win so yeah. bad. That's the beauty. That's yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why I'm drawn. There's so much political crap that goes on in the world. Yeah, it makes me sick on both sides, all sides. Well, it's not, and, and it's not and, just politics, though. In, I, I use in, political right but across the board. But there's politics and business. I know. Well, right. I, yeah, I, yeah. I use the word political, not politics related. Right. I use it generally, the umbrella. Whereas here, so much is political for your short attention yeah. span. It's two or three hours, depending on the sport, and it's uh, it's arbitrary and definitive. And can like, you help me win? Yeah. If you can, I want you. 123, 119. Yeah. Give me. And you'll get a chance to prove it. Mitchell has proven it. But I believe Mitchell has the clutch gene and I think it is a gene I don't know that you can learn it I don't know that you can acquire it you either got it or you don't I think you have it you can have it and develop it more so but you gotta have it but you gotta have it and I think Mitchell has it and he's gonna be able to do stuff in the clutch that Hayward never did so the Jazz caught a break even though it was painful at the time because you can only afford so many guys. Well, whether they caught a break remains to be seen, but they survived what seemed well, like... Well, that's a given. I think they've definitely... That, that was... It seemed catastrophic. They've overcome. Catastrophic yeah. was the word I was looking for. Thank you. They overcame it. Yeah. And the, the remarkable thing is they overcame it very quickly. <laughs> yeah, the next draft. That's... The next season. That's incredible. Yeah. Because it looked like, oh my well, I guess my the, gosh. the draft actually came before free agency by, you know, you know you a week or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But it was a the draft, the right. same draft, the draft that they needed to. So yeah, I think this kid has got it, and I loved. We didn't talk about it very much because of the shot on Sunday, but what he said afterward on Friday uh, about Gary Gentry or Gary, Gary Trent, Trent Jr. Jr. Gary Gentry is a pitcher. Um, he, he shouldn't be able to come here and yeah. talk bleep about yeah, us. And, yeah. yeah, I want more of that, and man. And then Damian Lillard telling him to stop. That was like a tour tweet out of Damien. It was classic. And then he came back. He came back with, I said what I said. Yeah, I want that. <laughs> I want fierceness. I don't want all lovey-dovey he's, crap. But he's, he's got it in spots. Like well, he's, let's which see is, more of it. Which is actually, you know what? I don't need to see a lot of it as long as I know it's there. It's like you got a backbone. I can't see your backbone, but I know you got one. When he's walking off the floor, because I was thinking about that when he said that, how many times have we, we really seen that feistiness from Donovan? And I thought, you know, when we saw it, was walking off the floor after they lost game five in Oklahoma City. And the fans are getting on him. He just looks at him like, we're not coming back. Won't see you for game seven. I'm paraphrasing, but whatever it was, he was calling the shot. We're winning the next one. You're losing the series. I'm not listening to you again. Bye-bye. Yeah, and I think he took a little heat when he swore a walk in uh, uh, the tunnel. So uh, what? I know. I know. So what? Although, I applauded him. Although. About the James Harden thing. Inside the organization, that was a bigger deal. The, the cameras are now banned. You can't You can't take. If a TV photographer and walks up, the, uh-uh, new. And the ushers, like, they have their marching orders, like, 100%. That spin it around this way. You can't be here. Boom. 
It's not and happening. And I get it. They want to protect the image. I'm fine with that. But to me... But I think the image great. a little bit of feistiness. Like, people don't I want know, that all the, the time. That's who we are. Okay. We're not the little old lady. Do you think even the little old lady... Well, all I know is that I've heard so many times from BYU that if you said a swear word yeah. and it was picked up, that they got flooded with calls. So I imagine some of those little. But I still ladies wonder if the one you know the one in ten the people, same people. You're right, but the one in ten people who are really offended by the occasional nobody wants a constant I, I, stream I, I of agree that. With you 100. Yeah, but I still think a lot of people are out there kind of like that wasn't great, but I'm glad he's that feisty. It yeah, means something yeah. to him. He's going to bring it in the next game, right? So I'm going to turn on the next game because I want to see it. Hey, who was the ultimate swearer and feisty dude? Jerry Sloan. <laughs> <laughs> Guy's a legend. He's a freaking legend, man. And everybody loves Jerry Sloan. Yep. Because he would take nothing and concede nothing at any time ever. He was the original. If you want a picture of a BA, it's Jerry Sloan. Yeah. And I didn't have any problem with what he did <laughs> ever, actually, ever, ever. I actually last wearing week. a John Deere trucker. Yeah. <laughs> I, actually, I love the man. I actually, in all seriousness, quoted him. Something was going south in the meeting I was in, and people were looking at me, you know, like you do, like, oh, let's see if DJ will go. It's about go time. And I did say, ah, I'm tempted to go Jerry Sloan here, but I just hear my wife telling me to calm down. And everyone's laughing. And somebody wanted to know what I was going to say. I said, no, I can't, I can't in this setting. I can't. And there was one guy who said, I'll tell him off to the side, and he can decide if I should tell everybody. And so I went over and quoted one of Jerry's legendary explosions at a referee. And, uh, and he laughed. He goes, no, you can't tell people that. <laughs> That's what it can't. takes. I know. And so I have a little bit of that. And I don't need to see it all the time. But once in a while, because, you know, you yelled at the locker room door, okay, fine. I agree with you. <laughs> I, was, I, turned on, I turned on that Maverick game really curious to how they would follow up with no real time to come down. How are you going to follow up a dramatic, emotional win? You're going to come out flat? I, thought the, I, I was stunned that they came out and were that good in the first half. You know, I thought, okay, they got some carryover. They got a nice lead after the first quarter. Man, they put it on Dallas in the second quarter. Stunned might be too strong for me. Surprised. Surprised. Pleasantly I've surprised. Got no problem. Pleasantly surprised. I've got I, zero I, problem. I with gotta that say, if you had offered me a twenty-point halftime lead, higher or lower, I'd have taken the under every single well, yeah, time. I think most of the time you would, though. But yeah, I get your point. And and then throw in that Doncic isn't playing. Their best player isn't yeah. playing. Uh, so yes, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought sweet. I, man. I did know going in. You know, check. You get this deep in the season, college or pro, you can check the home road splits, and I do that pretty routinely now, and I was surprised that Dallas is a much better road team than they are a home team. Which is shocking. It makes no sense. It's totally backwards from pretty much everybody else in the league. Mm-hmm. I think they're they're like 10 games over on the road. That is excellent. Like 18-8. and eight. And they came in here and played really well, and the Jazz were really fortunate to win that game. That's the game they won when they led for about a, a minute and 20 seconds, you know, four separate times mm-hmm. yeah, total yeah. in the oh, game. The Saturday afternoon game. Yeah, and that was, I thought that was arguably the best win of the year. I thought both teams played at a pretty high level in that game, and Dallas is a great road team. But they're terrible at home. They're 500 now. They were game over going in. And that is way backwards. So I thought that they could go in and play pretty well and had a decent chance to win the game, but they just came out and looked really good. And then in the second half, and I know we have people on social media that should have played better, and they should have, they could have, they would have, and Quinn will show them the video. But honestly, you're up by 21 and you're pounding a team and their best player is out and you have a flat spot. Yeah, That's see, not that surprising. It happens in the NBA all the time. Actually, to me, I become more encouraged because then you know that if you – 
lose a lead that you can regroup. So I would rather have them win in struggles rather than win easy. Not every single game, but occasionally have to struggle to win because I think that's what builds the team. Yeah, it gets too easy otherwise. And I think of all the things I learned watching that game, I came away most impressed with Moutier, and it was because of his post-game interview when he said, uh, when Locke asked him, you haven't been playing, that's tough. How are you dealing with it? Just point blank, didn't sugarcoat it, wanted an answer. And I was like, well, I'm curious to hear this. And Moutier said, I knew when I came here, I wouldn't necessarily play a lot. You know, he got to play a lot because Conley was hurt, but that was the exception, not the rule, and he knew it. And he was absolutely ready when he came into that game in Dallas. I don't have any problem with that. To me, the most impressive thing was early in the game, repeatedly Bogdanovich driving to the basket. We know you can shoot when your feet are set. Yeah. But that's not always going to be there, and the ball's not always going to go in. So if you can take guys off the dribble, that's huge. Yes, and he did it repeatedly to Porzingis who's 7-3, do that more often. And then you need to learn how to pass out of that. But do that more often, and you'll end up scoring well because then you'll make your threes when you're hot. You're, you're going to make your threes. But find other ways. Become that scorer. Don't just become that shooter. Right. So Clarkson with the eight assists, even though, as we talked about earlier, assists are a little, uh, a little dicey because you can make a great pass and a guy gets fouled and you don't get it. You can make a great pass and a guy misses a shot. And you can make a random pass and a guy can hit a tough shot and you get one. So I get that that's a little squishy as a number. Uh, fine. I'm, I'm okay with it. But he still passed it Clarkson's eight times a guy who score, scored. Clarkson's box score, I don't know this, but it might have been the best box score he's ever had because yeah. he also had five boards and he fouled out. So be aggressive. Guards rebounding, always a positive. Conley had eight the other game. Clarkson gets five. Donovan's always I'm been willing to so rebound. I'm freaking so fired up, man. I'm loving life this morning. And so now it's four out of four. got to beat Miami, right? And they Don't will. take the edge off it. They will. I'm going to wear the sweatshirt. I want you guys oh, to make sure. Oh, you told us that before. I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm putting it on you now. I'm going to text you both every you hour. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, text both you. Both of you guys. Yak, you're pretty good about remembering. Yak, let's annoy the crap so, out of him tonight. I want hey, what do te- you say? I got an idea. Every, every Jazz fan listening wants to win. At the end, in the next segment, the last segment of the show, we'll give away PK's cell number, and you can all text him all day to remember it. Is that a great idea, Yak, or what? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to change it. And up. after they win, <laughs> we'll come over and we'll go to DJ's house and we'll celebrate with some <laughs> with drawbridge going to be down? Can we get across the moat? Oh, I'm pulling up the drawbridge. I I'm know where he lives, sure. so we'll go. And I, we'll all t- tomorrow night. We'll all drive over. I don't want to mess with that albino yeah. alligator. <laughs> the albino alligator. <laughs> Make sure you have four wheel because you get a lot of fierce. snow because it's way high up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He looks down on us, literally and figuratively. And the Monsons. Don't kid yourself. You look down on him, too. You're yeah. right. I know. I know. A couple thousand feet above It's all board. about elevation with you guys. Please. All right. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Hey, I don't think Mike Conley needs to come on the floor and make everybody change the way they play around him. This team has proven to be really good without him on the floor. Maybe Mike Conley needs to come in and adjust to play around the four people that are playing really great at the moment. That's Dan on Mike Conley. That's going to be a topic to the end of the year, PK. We knew it was a lightning rod during the losing streak, but even when they win. Well, when they win, I'm fine with it. There is no discussion. But apparently there is. <laughs> I would disagree with that. It's all about winning. And however you win, whoever's helping you win, that's good enough to me. That's the objective. Now, that could be how is this going to translate in the postseason. 
because you you know you you have the evaluation of the regular season, then you have the evaluation of the postseason. And I sort of want Conley just to light it up in the postseason because he's been taking so much heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always do that. I, I really think I really think in their core they think this guy's got fifty six games of playoff experience. He's won four playoff series. You know, there's a few guys on this team who've won a couple with the Jazz, right? Gobert's won a couple. Mitchell's won one. And and that experience, that winning experience is gonna pay off. Oh, Ingles. Ingles is one two. Yeah. Clarkson, what do you do with Cleveland? Uh let's see, that was not the year they won the title, right? So then he would have won three because mm-hmm. they lost in the final. Yeah. Clint tweets at us, anti-Conley fans also believe the moon landing was faked and Elvis is having a cocktail with Monroe somewhere in Europe right now. That's too strong. If TMZ can find Elvis and Monroe having a cocktail anywhere. We're talking Maryland? That'd be a huge, yeah. That would be Norma massive. Jean? Norma Jean? She died on my father's birthday. For some oh, yeah. reason, I've always remembered that. Okay. Uh, and I think that, I think it is a discussion point. It's not totally something you ignore. Yeah, it's something to watch for. I mean, a bunch of things to watch for. I'll put it on the I list. I think it's a concern. Do you think the Jazz foul issues are a concern? It seems like we're seeing Gobert in foul trouble more often. Well, Conley had five. When you get to the five, yeah. so then, yeah. yeah. If you have five and there's one more for disqualification, uh, then yes. Before we go here, Dean called this morning and really started the Conley thing rolling kind of out of the blue. I didn't see that coming, but Dean was all about it. And Dean is the guy who called in earlier and said he was having lunch with Quinn Snyder. And so Dean's kind of been a thing. And so Pretty Dean... knowledge it's a regular thing, it sounds like. Dean, I, I think I think our favorite dishwasher is going to get a little upset. Rick could be furious and Larry the Laker also because they tend to generate the most reaction when they're on the phone. But Dean... Dean does, Dwayne tweets in, here comes Dean, grab the shovel and the boots. This bleep is getting deep. <laughs> Dr. B, Dean's so full of crap. His first call was fun, but this guy's clueless. Trained observer at MWarner45. This is Dean? Dean's a clown. Suggesting Conley should go down the road, and he's got a clown, clown gif he sent to us. Well, that's way too strong. They should just let him go. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it there. We'll give us something to talk about tomorrow. Jazz and Miami Heat tomorrow. Tonight, it's the Aggies. 7.30 on the CBS Network Sports Network. And Scotty G's got the call with the pregame show at 7 right here on The Zone. Tony's coming up next. Austin's coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow.